What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to the Nerdwide Podcast. This is episode 73, and boy, is this a huge one. Uh, we've got three shows to review. We're going to do our spoiler fulfilled episode of our Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness review. And we've got Netflix Geeked Week happening this week. The Bethesda and Xbox had their showcase today. Uh, Summer Games Fest happened this past week as well. And there is so much more news on top of all that just to talk about. But first, I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Chris Rivers. Now, Chris, how was your week before we get into all of this? Because it's uh, it's a doozy. In a good week way. Week was pretty good. Week was pretty good. good. How was yours? It was busy. Uh, got a new vehicle this week because the mm-hmm. the oldest is turning sixteen in a couple of months. Well, in two months is um, scary to think about, and so she's gonna take over my car. We fell into this deal, so I got me a Jeep Wrangler, part of the Jeep gang now, and um, so it's just it's been a roller coaster. Like I haven't watched a whole lot of new things or played a whole lot of new games due to all I- of this that happened, but. I'm trying to catch up and stay on top of everything. But, man, it's been a, a crazy week. So I want to jump into it. As far as TV, uh, I know I said last week I started Stranger Things with the family. We finished it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so season four, part one, is done. The second part is on July 1st. And it's just two episodes. One is an hour and a half, and the other one is two and a half hours. So might as well be watching movies that weekend um, and yeah. then uh all american dropped on season four dropped on netflix and i'm just a sucker for that show and i saw it and i said oh okay we're already popping this up so i am um, i think four or five episodes away from this season being done and i'll roll into peaky blinders and then finishing off the last kingdom don't know if i'll be able to finish both this week but i'm going to try what about you chris anything new not this week, no. I mean, I, I pretty well, to be honest, I kind of got hooked on something on YouTube. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so there's there's a channel called Blogging Through History. Mm. And the guy goes, he visits a lot of the um, like Civil War battlefields. And mm. I think he also visits places from the First and Second World Wars um, around the world. He also does a lot of reactions to history videos. But he's also got a gaming channel. Really? He's got it's uh it's VTH Gaming, and he does a lot of the military simulation games like Hearts of Iron Four and mm. stuff like that. So, really cool, that really is... interesting to watch. Hey Siri, set a reminder for eight a.m. tomorrow to watch uh, vlogging through history on YouTube. That's how we do things here, so I don't forget, because yeah. I am very yeah. scatterbrained, and that sounds extremely right up my alley. Oh, I might not be finishing All-American this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to check that one out, because that seems like a lot of fun and right up my alley with what I'm interested in. I love history, and I used to love vlogging, so I used to do right. vlogging and everything. All right, Chris. Superman Lois, Season 2, Episode 13, All is Lost. We're going to a new website this week, and this one is uh, geeksandgamers.com. This was by Alex Gerzo. I'm sure I butchered his name. Um, I'm going to run through this. I might skip through some things because we do have quite a bit to talk about, but I'm hit all of our major plot points here. Um, all is Lost gives away its purpose with its title. This is the episode where the stakes are raised and the good guys are on the ropes with two installments left in Season 2. But as it dwell on that, in fact, much of it is quite hopeful seeing certain characters begin to emerge from the holes they've dug for themselves, particularly with other people. 
I, well said. I couldn't even. That's much better. Uh, mm-hmm. All is lost begins with a flashback at Alston's recruitment of Lucy Lane. These are the early days of her emerging cult. So Alston is still appearing at small town bookstores and giving talks to maybe 10 people. But her first book is framed as a self-help guide, meaning she's able to attract the lonely and the gullible, which makes no sense to me. We talked about this before the show. Lucy Lane and Supergirl was this badass um, woman general. I think she was a general in the army. And not gullible or lonely or any of this other stuff. She had James. and But now in this show, it's just it's absolutely getting on my nerves. And what we're about to talk about here shortly gets on my nerves even more because yeah, I, there's no saving this woman, honestly. No, um, no. It's uh, it's bad. Yeah, it's it's, it's I am, it's I roll my eyes every time it happens. Still, towards towards the end of this episode, I was actually sitting there going, "Just kill Lucy off." That's I'm exactly done. what I, I said. I, I said I she needs to go. Don't She's want done. her around anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lucy falls into the former category. It's because of Lois, or more accurately, a combination of Lois and her mother's abandonment. Lucy is feeling unloved, and while Lois's bedside manner no doubt contributes to it, not to mention the long shadow she cast, having her mother run out on her is making her distrust anyone in her life. It also makes her a perfect target for Alston, who may just be the first manipulator who caught her eye. And Alston is a manipulator, meaning she's an expert in knowing how to play on a lost soul's emotions and fears. Lois is just a normal person struggling to make her sister feel wanted while she's got abandonment issues of her own. She stood no chance. Trust is, again, at the forefront of this episode um, about attempting to get their trust back and sometimes failing miserably at the most important moment. With Alston hiding, Clark decides to focus on being a dad, which to farm boy Clark Kent means doing chores. But the awkward way he tries to connect with the sons gives way to something more honest. Sitting down with Jonathan, Clark finally initiates the heart-to-heart the two of them have needed for a very long time. The scene gets better and better as it goes along, with Clark slowly unpacking John's fears and uh, assuaging them one by one. Finally explaining why he became so distant and judgmental, fear that he could lose John. And now instead of castigating a teenager who made a mistake, he supports John while acknowledging that's what he should have been doing all along. With Jordan, Clark shows his understanding of the burden that keeping secrets will become for him, then nurtures the very thing keep, very thing keeping Jordan from Sarah, his powers. These scenes are wonderful and played perfectly by Tyler Hecklin, who gets to be fun, wholesome dad Clark again. But then he drops the ball and he returns to the farm with Jordan, John feels left out once again, having to do barnyard chores by himself, while Clark shows Jordan how to fly. Um, and he goes on, this is the reason Jordan started taking XK in the first place. Um, now the Kents are at odds again, just as Superman has to go into action. Great, uh, let's, let's break this one apart a little bit. Great scene of Clark teaching um, Jordan how to fly. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very well done. The CGI was cool. The the way that he talks about the... Um, the Star Wars term, I already forgot it. I just watched it a little bit. The um, Cassian Pass, no, that ain't right. Anyways, and he said, "What's that?" And Clark has that little dad moment, like, "Are you kidding me right now?" And but they get back to the farm, and Jonathan's done all the chores that they were all supposed to do. And he said, "Don't worry about it; it's already done." And goes and goes, "I'm gonna take a shower. I won't talk to Clark or anything." Which is the whole thing of this whole season's been about is them not vibing getting along because of the jealousy because of the attentions being shown to jordan and jonathan has honestly been left out and i'm very curious at the end of this episode where we go from there with him because he's so whiny yeah i mean it's understandable because if if you just if, if i'm sitting there we're supposed to be doing chores right at this big farm and 
the supers fly away. And I'm I'm stuck there and didn't say bye, didn't do anything, and had to do chores by myself. I get it. I'd I'd be doing XK too, so just to just to belong. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, we'll we'll keep going. Also dropping the ball is Lana, who does so left and right in this episode. She sees the video of Sarah singing at the bar and gets angry because it brings up the anger she feels towards Kyle. Then when Jordan comes to ask her for help with Sarah, she nastily rebuffs him, seeming to go out of her way to hurt a kid who's only ever tried to make her daughter feel loved. In contrast to Clark's uh, plotline, though, Lana makes mistakes and then rectifies them instead of vice versa. When Kyle goes to talk to her, every sign is pointing to a blow-up, but the opposite happens. Seeing Kyle makes her anger go away, and she understands how unfair she's been to everyone, how she's wallowing in bitterness and spreading it to all those around her. Lana ends the episode sitting with her family in the diner, celebrating their achievements and the love they still share, even her and Kyle. I'm now pretty certain the Cushing's will repair their marriage. I suspect part of that will be Lana telling Kyle about Clark, which, dear God, I hope so, because I have been wanting that. That, that was me. Um, and then there's Lois, Lucy, and Sam, who are kind of a combination of the two. Lois and Sam decide to try to save Lucy one more time, and once they locate her, they try a frantic mix of methods to convince her to leave Alston for good. And the mix of methods is what works. At first, Sam tries to force her to talk to them by handcuffing himself to her, uh, before uh, before seeing her hand gets her and Lois talking, which makes Lois acknowledge that she played a role in driving Lucy away. It also serves as a moment for the girls to tell Sam that he isn't the cause of their problems, but the constant that kept them from losing themselves completely. Once they've talked, Sam releases Lucy, letting her make the choice for herself, and it looks like she may be ready to turn her back on Alston, right until the master manipulator plays her like a fiddle again. As with Lana admitting her shortcomings, it takes an act of self-sacrifice, this one's slightly more severe, to show Lucy what Allie Alston really is. And while her father lies near death in the woods, their final remnants of Alston's control melt away. As with the earlier scene, it's her father's love that saves Lucy Lane. Uh, hard stop, she sh we should have never gotten to this point. Uh, I would have already been done with Lucy mm, three, four times this, this season. So, yeah, that's just me. Yeah. But uh, I don't understand what they're why they're trying so hard with her. No, it's uh, it's one of those things that they it, it's it's the definition of insanity, right? Mm -hmm. You keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, and they're not going to get it with her. Right. I mean. She begins to see the light at the end of the episode, but mm -hmm. it shouldn't have taken what it took mm -mm. for her to get there. Oh, because me, uh, Sam almost died, but Clark, uh, Clark almost died more. Um, finally, we come to John Henry and Natalie. The reveal of Natalie's suit from this episode pays off. Oh, wait, from lies that bind last week pays off, and all is lost. And John Henry doesn't like it one bit. He refuses to let Natalie go into battle with him and determines to destroy her suit before she does anything crazy. Natalie has gone from wanting to live a normal life on this new Earth to embracing that normal is it in the cards for a superhero's daughter, especially one scientific and technological aptitude like she has. And John Henry has been doing everything he can to let her have that normalcy, despite it never working out that way. And now the man who lost his wife and his entire world to a supervillain is being asked to let his daughter fight one alongside him, and it's a step too far. John Henry comes around, of course, though it comes a bit too quickly and apropos of, apropos of uh, nothing. Apropos. Uh, apropos. You know what I mean. You, you catch me. That's what, that's, you know, we work. Um, <laughs> of nothing, a victim of the abundance of plot threads this week. And watching him and Natalie save the day is satisfying. It's also executed just right with Natalie being able to shine without overshadowing her father. I was so mm. glad because I thought we were about to go through that whole, uh, no, you're not going to do this. Only I can do it. And she claps back. Natalie, she's like, no, no. 
this is my decision. And she, he said, I don't want you to be in danger. And he, she said, you know, I built your suit and helped and everything. She goes, I've been in danger. And it's, it's, it's great. And it did not last long. He tried to no. destroy her suit and couldn't. And he said, well, what'd you do? He, she, and he found out that she improved his design even further and made it safer for her. I was very glad when they found out that Superman was in danger and she said, I'm coming too. And he allowed her to, and she ended up initially saving the day. And like this one, like this article says, uh, without overshadowing her father, I just like right. they melded together, really worked. I was so glad they didn't do the whole, you can't go, um, trope and they, what they kind of right. did, but they, they backed off of it. And I was like, thank you for once not doing these cliche tropes. Yeah, I mean, two things I kind of took away from it. One, so she basically put uh, a seal or a glaze of mm -hmm. XK on the outside of the armor right. so that it it can't be harmed. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is kind of what Jonathan could be doing. Right. You know, okay, you don't have powers, but you could find other ways to help as opposed to just he, sulking in your room. Yeah, he could be the man in the chair. I mean, it's... Right. Every show has one, and every superhero group has one, and he would do well. He's even been working with Natalie on things. He's been working with John Henry last season, working on things in the barn. I mean, I really feel like he could be a, a man in the chair type scenario. I mean, and step out of his mother and his father's shadows, and now it's going to be his brother as well. So, I I don't know if we'll ever get to that point. I really hope that maybe him and his other self. I think in his anger now, he is going to merge with his other self somehow or agree to it and i don't know how that will work but i thought it's, that's him getting his powers and then we'll have the whole thing next season of his enter the to two different jonathan's battling each other in their brain somehow i don't know how that'll work but i can see that happening because mm. it, it happens in yeah. green you gotta have that little subplot uh and now the episode lives up to its title all appears lost as superman is at death's door alistair is merging our world with bizarre world and nobody capable of stopping her is around in the in-fighting condition, and in, 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 in fighting condition, except maybe Jordan. We're headed for uh, my most hated superhero trope, <laughs> the hero losing his powers, but so much of the story is focused on Jordan following in his father's footsteps that could work better than it usually does this time. Two to go, and with a buildup that's been this consistently good, we need a bang-up finish. I really like this website, and I hope this Alex guy does this, because I really enjoyed that whole recap. Very so, easy to read, and... I liked it. Bookmark. I'm wondering if it'll be this year. Or how many episodes do we have left? Two. Like two? Mm -hmm. So maybe they won't get to it this year. I'm kind of thinking next year um, we get Sarah finding out that her mom knew about the Kent family mm -hmm. and then telling her that it wasn't her place to make the decision. That we'll, we will get that trope. About it. We will get that yeah. trope. And Maybe it pushes her closer to Jonathan or Jordan. Maybe it doesn't. But um, <laughs> then I, I could see it backfiring on her, too, with Kyle, where he's like, you knew, and you talk mm -hmm. about keeping secrets, but you're mm -hmm. keeping a secret. Um, I think Kyle I'm, will I'm, handle it a lot better than I'm – well, I'm hoping they write him handling it a lot better because his character is well, – especially lately, he's taking these these hits, and he's – doing right and doing i don't think he'll go back to the old kyle from season one the self-destructive one right do you think that i guess a do you think lucy sticks around God, and do you that. think that 
do you, do you think it's too late for her to redeem herself? No, I think they'll point. they'll force a redemption that I will feel is unearned, and just uh, like she'll be, she'll hold the key until how to stop Allie, and right. I'm just like that's not gonna do it for me. I'm I'm thinking even beyond the storyline though, like could she end up where where's her role if she sticks around? Right. Like, does she work for the newspaper? <laughs> no. Uh, and and by the way, there's another situation that's going to cause problems because um, Lois tells Christine, is that her name? Mm -hmm. Lois tells Christine that Clark wants to work for the paper. That's why he was away for a month, because he was doing a story to get hired on the Gazette for her. And I'm like, ah, I don't believe that whatsoever. Yeah. And so that's going to create problems when it comes out. She lied to her about that because right. she's already almost cut her off for that very reason. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. There's so much up in the air about the show. And it comes back to what we've discussed time and time again. Now, here's Superman's in peril. They mm -hmm. don't know who they're going to turn to. But they don't turn to anybody that we've met through any of these other Arrowverse shows. Why? So, I mean, this is, honestly, to me, this is the perfect time to get Melissa Blanoist for one episode. For this one in particular. You know, Clark doesn't have powers, and she can help. she's going to help Teacher Jordan the way, you know, from her perspective. It would be perfect time to do this. Not only that, but considering the condition that he's left in, she may be needed... I don't know how they would get it from her, right? But you would think someone's going to need to give him a transfusion. Maybe right. Jordan to or get some it, of that Kryptonian up blood. To the sun and throw him into the sun and get strength. I mean, I don't... Yeah, I mean, he might come out crispy, but... Right. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, he'll, he'll be fine. Well, <laughs> he'll regenerate. He'd probably, if his abilities are really gone, he'd suffocate before he got to the sun. That's but, a good point, too. Yeah. Uh, no, I... That's the frustrating part about this show. We know it's in the same universe. Mm -hmm. And nobody's, you not, know, like... Not once has it been mentioned. Not no. once. And like we uh, we were talking a little bit before recording, and Martian Manhunter's out there mm -hmm. to reach out to. Uh, there's people that they... This would be a great time for us to maybe see one of the former members of the Legends of Tomorrow. Yep. There's, there's, I mean, there's so many moments that we could do any of them, Flash, uh, anyone from Team Flash, anybody, but surprise guest appearance from Stephen Amell, right? I mean, there's, uh, I, I just don't get it. I don't. They wanted to stain on its own, but then why bring like Diggle in last season? Why bring right. Lucy Lane in this season? Right, and it just well, the same actors and actresses. I, I don't get it. I, anyways. Next show we've got is Miss Marvel Episode 1, Generation Y. We're going to the Review Geek for this one. This is by Arnov uh, Srivastava. I almost had it there. Um, and this was surprisingly a very good starter episode. I was not expecting it to be this good. Um, it felt real Disney, Disney Channel-y which is what I knew they were going for anyways because they're trying to bring in some more uh, fans from different generations, which is perfectly fine. But I did not expect to love this show as much as I did. The camera work, 
the the artwork and things they put on all the walls when they were talking about stories the texting when they were doing it they had the full cool stuff on the buildings i thought that was so cool and i love um oh lord i already forgot her name um let me find the the actress that does it because she is uh, awesome like uh even in real life she uh iman Vellani. she is hilarious like she loves rdj and she says, that's the one person I want to meet from this universe. Um, I want to meet him personally. And she even texts Kevin Feige. Like, um, Tom Holland is the one that ruined No Way Home to her and Spider-Man. That multiple Spider-Man. Because he showed up a picture on his phone. Mm-hmm. I guess they were at some event. And she's like, I didn't know that. And he said, oh. And it's just, she's so fun. Like, her stories. Because, I mean, she's been doing uh, interview junkets and things. And she is, like, she, um, she texted Kevin Feige. What was it about? Something about Doctor Strange. She texted him when she saw it. Uh, she was unhappy about something, and she let him know. She goes, hey, I don't like this. <laughs> it was just just dumb, just fun things like that. I just think it's funny that Tom Holland's still spoiling stuff for people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why would she know that? But it's <laughs> so dumb. Um, but yeah, so overview, I really, really, really enjoyed this. The only thing I have to say is, there's no clear villain yet, which I know we're only in episode one of six. Other than the parents. Other than like the yeah, your your parent trope, which was which is great. Like I mean, I, I absolutely love what they're doing here. I just hope they don't drag that out. I hope there's growth in this little bit, but Yeah. Um I think it's interesting because of the, the culture. Mm-hmm. They they utilize that where their culture you have her mom and another character talking about, well, why would this, why would, it's one of the girls from the neighborhood, like, why would she want to see the world? Right. She's just off traveling the world and not accomplishing anything with mm-hmm. her life. She should be settling down. What does she have married. to see? She needs to get married. Yeah. Right. And it's, so it's, it's more than just the typical parent trope. It, it goes to, the culture mm-hmm. as well being worked in there. They did that really, really well. So they, I, uh, I've seen it from like a bunch of like Muslims and uh, brown people on my Twitter that I follow, and they were saying how well done this is and how it felt like they were at home and things like mm-hmm. that. And I'm just like, that's awesome. And I'm so glad they're doing it. And the show's getting review bombed for that because, you're, of course it is, because it's a Muslim family and everything. Um, but we'll talk about that here in a minute when I talk about some news. But which is ridiculous, but it's very well done and it's uh gonna be a great show. I feel like I really like what they did with our powers. Didn't think I would, but I'm about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched it. I think I watched it Wednesday morning, mm. and uh, I know I texted you. I texted you at some point that day, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, this is really good." Yeah. And it's, it's, I've heard it from everybody. I like, scrolled through Twitter. Everyone's like, this is a, a surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be. And I have, mm-hmm. you know, decent expectations for it. And we watched it that night. And I said, yeah, this is good. And then he has a post-credit scene, which is nothing. I got lucky and saw that. So, because I was letting the dog out and just let the, the credits play. Because the music was good. Which, in the end credit, not the end credit scene, the, um, we're talking full-on spoilers again for all of our shows. But the the credit scene when it's showing the artwork on the walls as the credits are going down, those are all artwork from the comics, and it was like vis a vis from comic pages. I thought it was really cool that they did that. 
So real quick, I, I was going to mention this, but while you're talking about the credits, mm -hmm. they aren't accurate. Mm. We don't think that they're accurate because someone. Oh, you know, did how you see the same are. thing I did? Did we ever talk the... about this? No, we didn't talk about oh, this yet. We were talking about the same thing then. Uh, apparently they they copy and pasted the credits from Hawkeye, mm -hmm. and it there's a mention in there under makeup artist about like makeup artist to Miss Steinfeld, and. People were like, "Okay, is this is she going to be in here?" And they accidentally. People are thinking that it was because mm -hmm. I guess a lot of, but a lot of the same people are involved. That doesn't mean it was copy and pasted. Mm -hmm. They could just be using the same crew members because, right. especially with these type of projects, they know they're going to keep their mouth shut and not leak. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin Feige's probably going. Do people really watch the credits? <laughs> well, well, the first thing that I thought of when I read that was when they were at, were they at Comic-Con? AdventureCon. No, no, awesome. and I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking about in real life. Oh. Um, but Haley Steinfeld was on stage and Kevin Feige was there. They were at some event, I guess, promoting Hawkeye. Probably. And she was specifically asked, Will there be a Young Avengers? And she, before she answered anything, she turned and look at, looked at Kevin Feige, mm -hmm. and he went <laughs> and kind of nodded, you know, shook his head, and no, don't like, no, don't. Oh yeah, this is the one. I think I think they were don't both sitting down, you know. and like he was behind her, and she looked back there at him, and he said, "Yeah, I saw that interview." <laughs> <laughs> so. Obviously, if there's a Young Avengers, you would think it would include Kamala Khan as well as mm -hmm. uh, Hawkeye, basically. Yeah. I was going to say Lady Hawkeye, but it's not really mm -hmm. Lady Hawkeye. It's, I, I would love for her to come. I mean, it's the same city. I mean, she's in New Jersey, which is just across the river from New York. So I'm like, mm -hmm. it could happen. I mean, and we had talked about AvengerCon before we get to the synopsis, oh, the, the recap here. Why is this not a thing? Why, why don't we have this all the time? I mean, why I is agree. this not in every city? I mean, <laughs> I agree. Forget I'm doing for Comic Con, it. just do Avenger Con, and we'll go from there. Yeah. <laughs> Our very first introduction to Kamala is in episode one of the Miss Marvels through her hobby, a creative and artistic production on YouTube about the heroic adventures of Captain Marvel, including those Avengers in game exploits. Which I was thinking the whole time, how do they know what happened? I mean, there was no press there or anything, but we get there, and if it doesn't mention it in the this, or I'm going to talk about it. Although well, it does, somebody filmed it because I watched it in movie theater. That's true. It's very up close too. I don't know how they caught that. Uh, although it doesn't have many viewers, the work gives Kamala the confidence and optimism to keep pursuing her dream. The other members of her traditional household are her brother Amir, who is soon to be married, and her parents Muniba and Yusuf. She is very close to her best friend Bruno, who is also a computer geek uh, slash genius. The central conflict of the first episode is formed vis-a-vis -vis Kamala's ardent desire to visit a Comic-Con and her parents' equally stubborn resistance. This is where Marvel's supposedly cultural inroads come into the picture. She wants to participate in a cosplay contest about the best-dressed Captain Marvel contestant. Muniba, worried about the kind of clothing Kamala would have to put on, gives her a green and purple-colored sawar, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, suit, a traditional South Asian attire for women. She and Yusuf hysterically try to convince her to go for a Hulk duet with the latter. Hilarious, this scene. Yeah. Uh, Big Hulk and Little Hulk. And she's like, there is no Little Hulk. 
and her dad's you know green faced and it, it looked good. I thought it'd been honestly I thought it'd been a great great thing to do. And very culturally uh, appropriate and I thought it looked great. I mean um yeah, she kind of hurts his feelings there too. Yeah, and, he said, "No, you can't go and turn away." Which, as a parent, I'm like, "Yeah, that hurts and that stings." Because um, he just wanted to do something with his daughter. I mean, went through all the work, got that made, and turns green. And oh, man, um, <laughs> it does not take a genius to figure that Kamala would be unpopular at her high school. The really strange representation of the students in the buildings do not provide any more insights. Um, Bruno makes an AI device for Kamala's parents, which I thought was really cool. Them talking, mm-hmm. the use of Tonka to it was so funny throughout the whole episode. Um, Kamala and he make a plan to use the device as a distraction for her to sneak out of the house to the event. The plan is successful barely as they attend the convention. Kamala spots Jenny, a, fo- a fellow student at her school, but is not too happy seeing her there on account of their cold relationship, which I didn't really see it as that cold because I mean, when they met on the steps, they both complimented each other. It was... A very awkward complimenting, but I didn't see it as like she's my rival kind of. No, situation. in fact, it's. Didn't they mention that they used to be really good friends until they got to high school, yeah, and then she, she went to become a popular kid, and, and Kamala, Kamala not so much. over the Avengers, which, to be fair, if we lived in the Avenger world, I mean, <laughs> would that be yeah. any different? Um, she changes into the costume, and the moment she wears the bracelet, she feels a sudden surge of energy. It overwhelms her. She rushes to the stage. She gets late for her performance. When it, when it is time for her to show off the costume, she inadvertently activates the magical powers of the bracelet. She is unable to control it and destroys a lot of prop decorations as the Iron Man... Uh, as, uh, no, this this article. As the Iron Man helmet, Ant-Man helmet, rolls around and Thor's yeah. hammer. These gigantic pieces send the audience into a chaotic state. Jenny is almost crushed by the hammer, but is saved owing to, uh, owed to Kamala's quick actions. She escapes the convention and reaches home where uh, Muniba admonishes her for lying to Yusuf and her. Kamala seems more concerned with the bracelet, imagining much wilder things to come ahead. Uh-huh. So, it, this is... I, I will not be using this uh, <laughs> recap again, because they, they miss so much it's, uh, good stuff in it. Yeah. Um, I like the touch of having... They stop by the corner store, and uh, I guess it's his parents mm-hmm. or hers that own it. One of the two. I think it's it's and, the uh, one he works for and lives above Edison's, which in the comics, that's her first villain. Yeah, well, we we see him airbrushing the suit, mm-hmm. and he's like, he's doing pretty good at it. Yeah, so I mean, the suit looks good. They're basically setting him up to be her man in the chair. Mm-hmm. I mean, she he even made gloves for her that glowed. So when she did her hand, and it she pulsed left out. on the bathroom floor. Oh, unbelievable! What? Who who does such a thing? <laughs> um, so they they talk about the podcast. There was a uh, Scott Lang's podcast, and that's how every the world knows about the Avengers and what happened during mm-hmm. that uh, with Thanos and everything in Endgame. And there was theory going online. They said, I bet this is why everyone thinks Ant-Man was at the, the Steve Rogers musical. Why everyone thought Ant-Man was at the battle of New York because Scott Lang probably said he was. And during this podcast and when the, cause they, they made sure to mention it a couple times on this episode. Mm-hmm. So I imagine when we watch Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania, I bet somehow the podcast is introduced and or probably. part of the movie. And I'm going to laugh so hard because that's it's just so funny. Uh, overall, I really enjoyed this. So I, her grandmother they called Nani, 
we we think she had powers. She used this bracelet too, right? Yeah. Because they kind of left that there. Kind of put yeah. it in there, so. Um, I'm, what I'm kind of wondering if they'll do is uh, with, with Ant-Man. What if while he was shrunk down, he was recording the Battle of New York? And he, <laughs> he was, was recording right. the events of Endgame. Like, he was just documenting everything. Uh, I can see that. It's, it's Scott Lang. It's just, yeah. oh, God. And then we, we get to the post credit scene, which is, I didn't realize it until afterwards researching this, that um, that's the same guy that arrests him from damage control, that arrests um, Spider-Man in No Way Home. That's the same oh, character. Yeah? So, which is weird though, Chris, because that's a Sony property. So, how are we using that in MCU? Unless they negotiated and said, "Hey, no one really cares about this damage control group." So, because speaking of nobody really cares, there's Morbius. But anyway, we, we're not gonna. <laughs> I still need to watch that movie so bad. I'm ready for it. Um, I thought I'm really excited to see where the show goes. Uh, her powers, I really liked. They. Uh-huh. When she first used it, and I guess she caught the head at first, and she she her powers were like she stretched her arm and caught it, and I thought it was really cool. I mean, she was even when she jumped up onto the the roof when she got back home, it was really cool. And I'm like, I like these powers. I'm a, I'm about it. So yeah, I, I'm okay with it. it. Makes more sense than them bringing the Inhumans in and put a pin in that because we're gonna come back to that in a minute. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a really good show. Um... Let's see. This is one of the six episode runs, correct? Mm-hmm. She Hulk's eight. Yep, I think so. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm curious what we'll get, if anything, um, as it relates to Love and Thunder or mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. Um, will there be any any major connective kind of threads? Yeah, yeah. I don't. It's with Doctor Strange, or will they just set up She-Hulk? Anything? Yeah, listen, I'm, we're I, getting Jessica I Jones could, as She-Hulk. I'm just gonna put I, that out there. I could kind of see that because, or maybe, maybe another appearance from Matt Murdock. Because mm-hmm. what if she inadvertently destroys city property, and she gets caught, and right. they're like, "Oh, you know, we're gonna," and she needs a lawyer. Mm-hmm. It's that. There's a lot. That, oh, I just I can't wait. It's this. I'm really enjoying this show. More than I thought I would, and I can't wait, especially with just how much the, like I said earlier, the beginning, the camera angles, and then the mm-hmm. artwork they put on the buildings, I just, it's so much fun. And I yeah, that 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 bit where um, she falls back on the bed, right, mm-hmm. and she kind of yeah, looks like backward into this backwards. universe. Yeah, so yeah. cool. Oh man, it's so cool. And listen, something else that was really cool, Chris, The Voice season three, episode four, glorious five year plan. Uh, we're going to entertainmentweekly.com by Alex Raymond for this recap. Uh, the boys are going to Russia. Billy Butcher has spent most of the first three episodes searching for BCL Red, a Russian weapon that killed a superhero, Soldier Boy. If he could find this weapon, he could use it to kill Homelander, so he'll do just about anything to locate it, even making a deal with the devil. Last episode, Frenchie's pseudo-girlfriend, Cherie, found herself in hot water after stealing from a Russian gangster called, uh, named Nina. Nina wants Cherie's head on a platter, and Butcher wants Nina's help obtaining BCL Red. Butcher's cold, but he's not that cold, so instead of offering up Cherie, he offers to pay her debt with money from the FBSA hush fund, but that's not enough for her. If she's going to pull strings from the BCL Red, she needs help with a little job. 
Meanwhile, Starlight mm-hmm. works on her side of Homelander coup by recruiting her ex-lover Supersonic. But Supersonic's not the only soup joining Operation Valkyrie. A-Train grows frustrated with Homelander after he rejects his request to take down a racist soup named Blue Hawk. So Supersonic, sensing A-Train's disillusionment, goes out on a limb and clues him in. With Maeve, Starlight, Supersonic, and A-Train working together in BCL Red on the way, they might actually stand a chance against Homelander. On Huey's side of things, he's just found out about Homelander and Starlight's love affair, a.k.a. hashtag Homelight, and he's pissed. Sure, it's for fodder for the press, as Starlight assures him, but Huey's feeling emasculated, being totally unable to protect his girlfriend. In fact, it's routinely Starlight who saves Huey, and he's tired of being the damsel in distress. Rightfully so, I get it. So when Huey finds out that Butcher's been taking V24, he asks for a hit so he can help in a more significant way than just being the guy behind the computer. But Butcher won't let Huey indulge. Butcher's soul is already corrupted while Huey still has a chance of emerging with his humanity intact. Butcher asks Huey to keep the V24 a secret from the team, and reluctantly, Huey agrees. With that secret being tucked away, the boys jet off to Russia. Nina's located at the lab that holds BCL Red, but in exchange for its location, the boys will need to assassinate a Russian oligarch. The responsibility falls to Kimiko, as the only way to infiltrate the oligarch's mansion is to pose as a female prostitute. <laughs> I love this scene. So yeah. old dolled up, Kimiko forts her way to the mansion, where she finds the oligarch in his bedroom with half a dozen prostitutes. The oligarch welcomes Kimiko to the party, showing off his vast collection of, you named, you guessed it, superhero-themed dildos. <laughs> As he appears to use one on a prostitute, he's suddenly impaled by a black and noir-themed dildo that goes straight through the back of his head. I laughed so hard when this happened, and like he turns away, and you just hear, and yeah. just straight through his his mouth, and I was like, "Oh my yeah. god!" And then it just just craziness ensued with all of them, with every single dildo, every single one yeah. of the soups, even Starlights. Just, <laughs> anyways, uh, what follows the absolutely outrageous fight scene with Kimiko taking out the oligarchs, henchmen using a variety of superhero themed dildos as weapons. Uh, let's see uh, Kimiko defeats the oligarchs men but the bloodbath she leaves behind makes her even more eager than ever to ditch the boys and start a new life back in America there's some high stakes political drama going down at the urging of Vought CEO Stan Edgar FBSA director Victoria Newman is planning on holding a press conference to publicly condemn Homelander Newman is nervous to cross Homelander but Edgar her surrogate father promises he'll always protect her so Newman moves forward with a press conference but when Newman steps up to the podium, she doesn't condemn Homelander, she condemns Edgar. Homelander, she says, has bravely come forward as a whistleblower, providing evidence that implicates Edgar in a litany of crimes. Why the double cross? Well, that's because behind the scenes, Homelander convinced Newman that the only way to keep her daughter Zoe safe was to help him neutralize Edgar. In exchange, Homelander gives Newman a vial of V. To ensure her daughter's safety, Newman decides to turn Zoe into a soup. In a particularly excruciating scene, she does so with Zoldi, Zoe with V. Um, holding her daughter tight as she shrieks in agonizing pain. And that was hard to watch. Uh, probably the hardest thing on this whole show so far. It looked like it was crawling around. Yes, like making her a little bit of furry, kind of, or hard-skinned. It was very weird. It seemed very, 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 very painful. With yeah. Ed- yeah, I didn't like it. Mm-mm. With Edgar out of the picture, Homelander moves to regain control of the Seven. After a public appearance with Starlight, Homelander flies her to a secluded rooftop to show her what he calls the most beautiful sight in the city, the mutilated body of Supersonic. We learn that A-Train told Homelander about the coup attempt, and Homelander responded in kind. 
As tears stream down Starlight's face, Homelander urges her to forget about trying to take him down or Huey will be next. And listen, Chris, we talked about this last week. We were hoping the trope of him, um, Starlight going between her and Huey and Storm um, was supersonic. Was it going to happen? I'm glad that is uh, no longer the case because uh, right. he is dead. Uh, very, very dead. So Missing his face. Yeah, he's missing quite a bit of his body, honestly. Um, <laughs> with one half the coop attempt up in flames, the boys head into the lab to steal BCL Ray and are promptly overrun by Russian security forces. But Butcher's got an ace up his sleeve. He took another hit at V24. He uses his laser eyes, which seems he seems to be getting the hang of, to gleefully tear through the Russian enemies. But with Butcher distracted, a Russian soldier zeroes in on uh, MM. And as he's about to pull the trigger, Huey jumps out from cover, rather teleports out from cover and kills the soldier, saving M.M. That's right, Huey also stole some V-24 from Butcher. The team is horrified to watch sweet little Huey become corrupted by power, but there's no time to sulk. They locate a highly secure tank they assume holds BCL Red, but when they open it, they find out it's not a weapon at all. It's Soldier Boy. That's right, Soldier Boy is alive and totally insane. Soldier Boy emits a burst of white-hot energy from his chest, knocking Kimiko off her feet and allowing him to escape. This superpowered attack leaves Kimiko on the verge of death. Panicking, the boys drag her to the van, get the hell out of Dodge's MM admonishes Butcher for destroying the lives of everyone around him. And he's not wrong. Huey's literally high off of his powers. Kimiko's on death's door. Butcher's quickly becoming a V24 junkie. The boys are in bad shape. So with Edgar out of the picture, the seven are back under the thumb of Homelander, and the boys have no way of taking him out. How the hell are they going to get out of this one? Not only was uh, Soldier Boy totally insane, he was also totally naked. Yes, and we've seen, we saw Jensen Ackles' ass for the first time. For, he a, commented quite a, for on, quite a long time. <laughs> he commented on something. They had asked him about that scene, apparently, and he said, yep, only a sock. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, yeah. the Eric Kripke did not let him do anything he didn't want him to. <laughs> I love it. Um. So Huey teleported. I, in that flash in the scene, I thought he had kind of stretched his way over there. I right. didn't see it as a teleportation, so I didn't know if he gained elasticity or lost all his teleportation. <laughs> yeah, lost all his clothes in the process. We got, we got two naked butts the whole that whole scene, <laughs> and uh, and Mother's Milk sitting there looking up at him, going, "I, I forget what the exact line was." But it was basically your junk's out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And something, I mean, it was eye level with them, too. And yeah. And that was the big issue. I'm very curious after this episode and after this season, because we've got, what, this was episode four. We've got four more episodes left. What, how the boys come out of this? Like, I mean, they've been breaking apart the past couples, the past seasons, you know? And this one, they're, nobody's trusting each other. Um, what, um, Kimiko and Frenchie want to go off somewhere. And, M.M. was like, no, this is this is not the way. And Huey is definitely looking up to the wrong person, I feel like, in this group. So I'm very curious to see if the boys are still the boys after this season. I think it's going to – it's all going to hinge on I – th- I think it's episode seven that's supposed to be Herogasm. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the comics, Homelander – uses soldier boy for sex on a regular basis mm. it's he kind of makes him think that he's gonna work with him and elevate him and and all this but 
the whole time he's using him for sex. And it's, um, he's sort of, I guess you'd say dim-witted in right. the comics. So I'm not sure if they're going to go with that or if it's going to be one of those things where they take a little creative license and right. and do their own thing with it. But from what I've read from the cast members, um, the Hero Gasm episode, they've said lots of naked people around the set. Okay. It's going to just be a full episode pretty much of just nothing but I'm about it. Hero Gasm. I'm about it. So <laughs> I'm wondering how that's going to play out. Right. Like, will something happen between Soldier Boy and Homelander that causes Soldier Boy to turn? Mm-hmm. Where Homelander now has somebody that is sort of an equal, in a sense, that right. could actually do him some damage. Um, I don't know. And this whole thing with... This whole thing with Starlight, it's just like, oh, God. I feel so bad for her. Because, I mean, we told her, you know, it's we have to do everything we can to take him down, no matter what it is. And she's losing allies. And she's been called out. Everyone knows about it now. And it's just yeah. like, what else do you do now at this point? Homelander well, was horrifying this whole episode. Like, every time Anthony Starr is on, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what Homelander we're getting this scene. And it terrifies me. As soon as Dipshit told A Train about um, the yeah. the plan, I was like, "Oh, this because A Train as much as he doesn't like Homelander, he seeks his approval because he knows he holds all the cards." Yep. So if he wants to be famous still, then that's how it's going to happen. Yeah, and that was <laughs> that was just bad. The commercial. Yes, I was. I was about to get to that one. Because they, the the, they do uh, other observations. The capitalistic uh-huh. side of Vines always leaves me in stitches. And A-Train's BLM-themed ad that quickly turns into a commercial for his energy drink, Turbo Rush, is truly hilarious. It reminds me a lot of... Also, it's obviously loosely based on Kendall Jenner's infamous Pepsi ad. I laughed mm-hmm. so hard. And then he goes, Turbo Rush. I was like, I'm so, what? <laughs> it made no sense, dude. It made no sense. No. <laughs> um. I'm really I'm wondering if we're going to get kind of like a young Avengers mm. out of this because if you look um what's um uh, what's the daughter's name um oh uh, the, the, Newman's the, daughter the, yeah that yeah, was shot no. up Zoe Zoe um so She's now being given abilities. Mm-hmm. We got Ryan. You have you have Ryan. You have little Stillwell, mm-hmm. right? Who we saw in the orphanage, who can teleport. We're meeting a lot of kids, like mm-hmm. kids, kids, that are being given these abilities. And I wonder if maybe Ryan becomes this this kid that puts together this team of other kids, and is like. There's, there's not, no way what's your name is not teaching him now on uh, how to control his powers. Right. I can see it now because especially he hates Butcher. So yeah. He can become strong yeah. again. Um, other observations there. Ashley, uh, who's played by Colby Menifee, might take this week's award for best one-liner. She goes, 
Black Lives Matter is my favorite hashtag. My Insta is all black frames. Absolutely, she's absolutely right this week. Uh, Mother's Milk gets a share of great quips in this episode. Is taking out Russian soldiers as he shouts, Red Dawn, motherfucker. Rocky Four, motherfucker. <laughs> that was so funny. And then the last one is, the episode sees the introduction of my favorite superhero yet, the super hamster named Jamie. I sincerely yeah. hope we haven't seen the last of the terrifying, adorable little rodent. When that thing came in and ate that dude's eye and was going through his head and everything, I was like, this is... The boys is, is nuts. I mean, I thought there was nowhere else I could go, in, but here we are. Thought it was funny in the uh, in the Russian oligarchs room. The last guy to get killed gets the uh, what was it? The starlight, starlight vibrator. Yeah. And, and while it's in his, was it in his neck or his eye? It, it was one of the two. I think it was his eye, or no, 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 it was his neck because when he laid down, his neck. it started vibrating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, off. it's vibrating and going off. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh no, oozing around but, it. But then you had the scene, and I'm horrible with names, by the way. Um, she's she's heading up the organization now. Ashley. Ashley. You had the scene in her office with the guy, and mm-hmm. basically they're about to do something, and she pulls out a dildo. The Homelanders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I'm like... That wasn't just something the Russian oligarch hadn't made. This right. this is a product franchise. Line. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, that is a real product with the wow. Avenger stuff too. By the way, huh? It's uh, they make Avenger themed ones. Oh, do they? Yeah, just letting you know. I've oh. seen it, and it's uh, like you know, this whole Captain America. What Iron site Man. were you on? Uh, it was more of an in-person thing. No, no, no. It was a oh. site. Someone sent it to me, and I went down the rabbit hole. And I was like, oh my god. Uh huh. Like they weren't they weren't named after them because that's obviously a big trademark issue, but they use their likeness and everything. I'm like, okay. color combination. Yeah, I was like, that's okay. So I very did, much know that this is a real thing. So, all right. Did you get Did you get the Iron Man one? No, I did not buy the Iron Man one. <laughs> Could you imagine having that and then going up to if RDJ was at a Comic Con? Right. Well, could you sign this? God, I'd be escorted so quickly out of that thing. <laughs> Um, he may not though he right. may just be like you know sure <laughs> never seen this before <laughs> um let's get to our news because we have so much to talk about this whole week um first netflix geek week announcement this goes through games um tv and news as well so here we go with it we're going to ign.com by logan plant i'm going to be skipping over some things as we go um just because it'll really pertain to our show Castlevania Nocturne is a new show starring Richter Belmont, um, following up on the beloved Castlevania TV series. Is Castlevania Nocturne a new spinoff starring fan favorite Richter Belmont? Dragon Age Absolution, a new animated series coming this December from Bioware's Dragon Age. Sonic Prime introduces the Big Hat and Froggy after learning that the edgy Sonic the Shadow the Hedgehog would appear in the upcoming Sonic Prime animated series. Netflix has now revealed that endlessly memeable Big the Cat and Froggy will be a part of the series as well. The Cuphead Show returns this summer, returning to Netflix on August 19th. Tekken Bloodline anime gets a message from creator Katsuhiro Harada. Uh, Dota Dragon's Blood Season 3 gets a first look of photos. Uh, multiple Netflix TV series get tie-in games on the um, on the app, which is different, which, you know, by all means, go, go and look at those. Uh, I'm trying to see, get to the good things. We got a Stranger Things 4 Volume 2 teaser was shown. Um, the Hellfire Club, a Stranger Things Dungeon and Dragon Adventure. Uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners will premiere this September, the Cyberpunk anime spinoff show. 
Masters of the Universe Revolution is an all-new He-Man story. We got first image of Skull Island animated series revealed. Uh, inside Job second season announced. The Dragon Prince season four starts the next phase of the saga, uh, which has already been renewed all the way through season seven, which we haven't had that. Arcane bridging the rifts looks inside the making of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Farzar is a new adult sci-fi comedy series. Looks like uh, uh, from the careers of Paradise PD. Farzar is a new comedy series coming to Netflix this July. Follows a group of humans, robots, and aliens battling evil aliens. Uh, see anything? Gray Man. Pierce film. Yep. The Gray Man will see Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling face off. The Gray Man stars two A list actors and Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, and the film will pit the two against each other. The actors play two of the world's best assassins tasked with hunting each other down. And it's from uh, Anthony Joe Russo. Uh, animated film, The Sea Beast from the filmmaker of Moana and Big Hero 6 was shown. Let's see. The John Wick creative team is working on a vampire movie with Jamie Foxx. Comes out Morbius. August 12th. Uh, you said Morbius. <laughs> uh, let's keep going. They announced a lot that doesn't really pertain to much things. Zack Snyder and Zofia Butello appear from a set of Rebel Moon. Zack Snyder is working on a Rebel Moon, a new sci-fi epic for Netflix. And the director appeared to share a quick teaser for a brand new creature for the film. We will be watching that, by the way. Um, School for Good and Evil gets its first trailer. Let's see. Day one was series. One Piece live action adaptation share set photos and casting news. Official trailer and poster for the upcoming Resident Evil series. It looks really good, by the way. Uh, show premieres July 14th. Uh, the Sandman is coming on August 5th. The long-awaited adaptation of the Sandman comic is coming to Netflix on August 5th. Along with the release of a date announcement, we got a new trailer showing Sandman's escape from captivity and the ensuing chaos. That looks great, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, first look, uh, the new Adams Family spinoff from Tim Burton. We've gotten our first proper look at Ginny Ortega as Wednesday Adams and Tim Burton's upcoming Adams Family spinoff, appropriately titled Wednesday. Uh, the Umbrella Academy cast discussing discusses the upcoming season later this, uh, which is coming later this month on June twenty second. I'm so excited for that's something else. Like I'm thriving in June. Okay, um, <laughs> let's keep going, keep going. Sweet Tooth season two shares a behind the scenes update. Don't really care. Lock and Key season three gets a teaser trailer. Lock and Key's third and final season is coming to Netflix on August tenth, and we got a new look at the upcoming episodes. Fate, the Winx Saga Season 2 clip reveals a new character. Warrior Nun, first look at Season 2. Shadow and Bone cast returns to the Season 2 update. Uh, Vikings Valhalla shares a Season 1 blooper reel. Hilarious. I love that show. I really want that back because they're filming Season 2 right now. And that is it. That really pertains to the show. There's a whole lot. I, I suggest if you're all interested, go to this website, IGN, and search up uh, Netflix Geek Week 2022. A lot of shows, a lot of movies. And a lot of things announced for it, and nothing, nothing crazy that really pertains to our show, but some good things in there. All right. Next one I've got here: Miss Marvel is the best reviewed MCU series to date. I'm going to comicbook.com by Aaron Perrine. Miss Marvel has a near perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. On the review aggregator, the Disney Plus series sits at 95% freshness. 
That's impressive for an MCU series that some fans didn't know what to make of it when it got announced years ago. But Miss Marvel introduces a younger Marvel heroine to the larger cinematic universe with aplomb. It's not just comicbook.com saying that either. All these reviews are hyped to see more of Kamala Khan in the movies at some point. Disney has made no secret that the Marvels are a big part of the Disney Plus strategy. So 95% sitting at the highest rated MCU series so far for the premiere episode. Don't you think, though, that a lot of people that didn't grow up on comics or had some in their childhood and, and got out of it love a show like this? Because there's not years and years and decades of backstory right. to dig through. You can just basically, if you even if you've never read the recent comics, you can just sit down and enjoy this show. Mm-hmm. Whereas with with these characters, these, I guess, legacy characters like Iron Man and Captain America, and you know there's decades worth of material mm-hmm. and there's just no time to dig through it all. And so you don't get certain references until they're pointed out by uh, more hardcore media outlets. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's, I, I think it's well-deserved when we talked about when we re- recapped it. So good for them and good for that show, which is hopefully a good thing for the future. Speaking mm-hmm. of. The Boys has been renewed for a season four that came out this week as well. And I'm like, yeah, yeah yes, it has. Thank you. Um, and then last news a bit here. HBO Max says The Last of Us has officially wrapped filming this past Friday. So now they're hitting it and, post. And we'll see. And, and. And. Did you miss it? Do I, do I, I seen it. What? So during the. Uh, oh, the the Game Fest. Yeah. Yeah. The Game Fest. Then. The uh, oh, okay. Troy Baker and uh, Ashley um, Johnson Johnson are uh, in the show, mm-hmm. so I, I don't think it's a big um, piece. But I I don't know if they're gonna. Be, I hope they don't make them zombies or clickers or anything. I hope they're like like a side character that everyone will know if they've played the games, and she's kind of just thrown away or something like that. You know how they they yeah. can do a good little cameos with it. I bet they will. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna get there, just not in this piece. <laughs> oh, okay. I should have gotten to it there. That's, that's actually a good point. Um, this week, there's no releases TV wise, so catch up on your backlogs and watch the uh, vlog through history on YouTube because that's what I will be doing. Vlog through history. Mm. Vlogging through history Vlogging and the gaming. The, the the gaming side is very uh, interesting as well. Mm. Um. All right, so we didn't watch anything new this week. We're going to talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You have been warned. We're full-on spoilers. Getting, getting into a spoiler review. Now, I told Tyler beforehand, I was like, I don't remember a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to pull the recap. I'm actually going to pull the recap from Wikipedia. Okay. Um, it's not terribly long, but I figure as we go, we'll stop and we'll chat about certain things. Yeah. Um. So we kicked off with America Chavez and a version of Stephen Strange being chased by a demon in the space between universes while searching for the Book of Ashanti. Strange is killed, and Chavez accidentally creates a portal that transports herself and Strange's corpse to Earth-616. Of course, at the time, we didn't know that's what this Earth was going to be called. We did, though. Think about it. Because that is what uh, Mysterio calls it in Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, and but everyone, everyone's no, like, "How does no, he know?" But no one took him seriously. Yeah, no. we we were all listening to Feige, who said <laughs> Earth One Nine 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 Nine. Right. 
Um, and Earth 616's universe, which is ours, uh, Strange rescues Chavez from another demon with help from the Sorcerer Supreme Wong. Chavez explains the beings are hunting her because she has the power to travel through the multiverse. Recognizing witchcraft runes, Strange consults Wanda Maximoff for help, but realizes she is responsible for the attacks. After acquiring the Darkhold and becoming the Scarlet Witch, Maximoff believes controlling Chavez's powers will allow her to reunite with Billy and Tommy, the children she created during her time in Westview. Um, this is the scene in the orchard when Strange realizes, because Wanda makes the mistake of using uh, America Chavez's name, mm -hmm. he realizes he had not told her the name. Actually, she tells him he didn't yeah, tell her the name. You didn't tell me your name, did you? He said, no, I yeah. did not. <laughs> <laughs> when Strange refuses to surrender Chavez, Maximoff attacks Kamartaj, killing many sorcerers. Chavez accidentally transports herself and Strange to Earth 838, while Maximoff uses the Darkhold to dreamwalk, taking control of her Earth 838 counterpart, who lives, in a, who lives a suburban life with her own Billy and Tommy. A surviving sorceress sacrifices herself to destroy the Darkhold and break the Dreamwalk. Enraged, Maximoff forces Wong to lead her to Mount Wundagore, the source of the Darkhold's power to reestablish the Dreamwalk. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, at that, at that location, she finds that this is not a, um, it's not a tomb, it's a throne. A throne. Mm -hmm. So she realizes that she's meant to rule. While searching for help, Strange and Chavez are apprehended by Earth 838 Sorcerer Supreme Carl Mordo and brought before the Illuminati. Mm -hmm. Now we knew that they were going to be in the movie. That much was was We spoiled. didn't know who was going. We to didn't know who. We knew we knew one. Mm -hmm. Um, the group consists of Mordo, Peggy Carter. Mm -hmm. Blackagar Boltagon. Dude, that was when Black you Bolt. and I personally were the only one who, I think we were the only ones in the world that cared. But yeah. when he popped up on screen, I turned to you and said, oh my God, that's Ansel Mount. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. he looks so good. And like afterwards, when we were walking out, so we were probably the only ones that cared that he was in the movie. But and it was the comic accurate yes, so costume too with the little tuning fork yeah. on the, oh, on the so forehead. Oh, so good. Uh, Maria Rambeau as that Earth's Captain Marvel. Uh, Reed Richards. Mm -hmm. Portrayed by... John Krasinski, baby. Which had a big pop from everybody in the theater. That as well. Yeah, I everybody really hope he becomes our Reed Richards as well. I don't know, but we'll see. That reaction was similar to the reaction for Charlie Cox in Spider-Man. Because yes. nobody... Um, <laughs> no. And finally, Charles Xavier, dun, 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 uh, dun, dun. which we had seen hints of him in the trailer, so mm -hmm. people were expecting it. But there was no reaction in the theater we were in. No. But it was flat, I think, I and think I was thinking. it was because thinking. it was spoiled by all the trailers. But yeah, I, didn't, but I, I didn't know the, the music from the 90s, X-Men. Yeah, the on. animated I really, Yeah, I really series. enjoyed that. That was good. They explain that through reckless use of their universe's Darkhold in an attempt to defeat Thanos, Earth-838 Strange triggered a universe-destroying incursion. 
After defeating Thanos, the Illuminati executed their Strange to prevent him from causing more harm. Um, how they do this mm-hmm. is he's 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 there on the battlefield, basically. Yeah, where they the, defeated Thanos. Titan, I think is what it was. And and you can actually see Thanos mm-hmm. flying off to the Dead. side <laughs> with the gauntlet. Yep. But the gauntlet, not all the stones are there. Mm-mm. So they never allowed him to get all the stones. But Black Bolt walks up in front of their strange and just says, I'm sorry. Oh, and so that's good. all it takes. God, it's so good. Um, that was It was such a great scene. Mm-hmm. Mordo believes Earth 616's Strange is similarly dangerous, but Maximoff reestablishes her dreamwalk at Mount Wondegore and arrives in her Earth 838 counterpart's, counterpart's body before they can pass judgment. She kills all of the Illuminati except Mordo, whom Strange subdues before fleeing with Chavez. The two escape with help from the Earth 838 counterpart of Strange's ex-fiancee, Christine Palmer, a scientist working with the Illuminati, and she is the one who gave what would be our Earth, the 616 designation. Mm-hmm. Well, see, um, and we, we have to talk about the, the most violent, brutal scene we've ever seen, I think, in the MCU, with all of the deaths of the Illuminati. And yeah. it was brutal, and they didn't even show a whole lot of it. They started off with Ansem Mount, which kind of started this whole thing, and I was like, oh my god, they just did that. Yeah. Where he, um, they said, you know, we could end you with just his voice, and they said, with what mouth? And uh, Scarlet Witch says, with what mouth? And we pan back to him, and it's sewed up. And he starts to say something, but it implodes his brain because it can't, it yeah, can't produce the, it out. It, and it just, his brain went all, you see it explode, it's a little squishy. Um, Reed Richard gets turned into spaghetti, which I thought was mm-hmm. equally horrifying. Um, Monica Rambeau gets crushed be- be- beneath a rock, which. We don't know that she's dead. Yeah, we, we assume, but right. the Agent Carter is she's uh, dead. She's definitely dead. She threw this uh, through the shield. Scarlet Witch turns around, and throws it right back through her uh, at her, and it goes through her and like embeds itself into the wall. Slices and, her right in half. Oh God! I was like, how is this not rated R? But you know, that that was nuts. Okay, you, you continue. <laughs> Strange, Chavez, and Palmer enter the space between universes to find the Book of Ashanti, which is the antithesis to the Darkhold, but Maximoff appears and destroys it. She then takes over Chavez's mind, using her powers to send the others to an incursion-destroyed universe. Strange defeats the destroyed universe's Strange, who has been corrupted by his universe's Darkhold, and uses it to dreamwalk into the body of his deceased counterpart that they buried on a rooftop on Earth-616. With Wong's help, Strange saves Chavez from Maximoff as she tries to take Chavez's powers and encourages Chavez to use her abilities. She transports Maximoff to Earth-838, where she sees Billy and Tommy recoil from her in fear while crying for their real mother. Mm. Realizing what she's turned herself into, Maximoff relents and uses her powers to bring down Mount Wondegore simultaneously destroying all copies of the Darkhold throughout the multiverse and apparently sacrificing herself in the process, Chavez returns Strange and Palmer to their respective universes. Uh, we don't know Wanda's dead. There was as, as this thing is collapsing, there's a burst of red light. Mm-hmm. 
so we don't know that she's dead. That could have been her, like, blipping out of there for all right. we know. Doing something um, crazy. But the brilliance of letting her see the fear in these kids' eyes, these kids that she cares about, and realizing she's the cause of that fear. <sighs> And and then the Earth 838 version of her saying, know that they'll be loved. Mm. And she just realizes this isn't the right way to handle this. Right. And and, and goes about her business. Um, the, the scene with Strange dreamwalking through his other self's corpse it was so is... Weird. Uh, <laughs> it was really it was, cool. Well done, though. It was. The makeup was real. Which, Sam Raimi directing it, you kind of expect yeah. zombie makeup is going to be well done. Um, it it's it goes by really quick. That's a... If, if I was only going to watch a segment of the movie, that's probably the segment I'm watching. Yeah. Um, he has these dark souls with him that are basically trying to stop him from dreamwalking through his other self's corpse because they say you're not supposed to reanimate the dead for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he utilizes those those spirits, basically, to allow him to fly across the gap from one side to the other. Very, very cool. Um, to wrap it up, it says, Sometime later, Kamartaj is repaired and the surviving sorcerers joined by Chavez continue training. Strange develops a third eye as a result of using the Darkhold and dreamwalking into a corpse. In a mid-credits scene, that's Strange gonna, is approached... That's not going to come back to him at all. No, no that's not, not at all. Do anything. <laughs> no. In a mid-credits scene, Strange is approached by a sorceress, and interestingly here, they don't name Clea, mm-hmm. but that's who it was, who warns him his actions have triggered an incursion that he must help fix. Strange follows her into the dark dimension. Now, Clea... No one knew this. Clea, when she pops up, portrayed by Charlize Theron. She's just she's having the best year of her life. Which was what kind of got my attention when we watched. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on it now. Uh, the first episode of The Boys, season mm-hmm. three. Uh, they're making the Dawn of the Seven movie. And because Stormfront is out of commission, she plays Stormfront mm-hmm. in, in that film within the TV show. So, very cool. And The Old Guard 2, I think, is going into production. I so can't wait, Chris. We're gonna I get that. Wait that's going to be such a fantastic <laughs> movie. But with Doctor Strange, this was... We've already raved about it when we first saw it. Um, the spoilery stuff. It was so fun. Yes. It was just... That's why like, it, I, I love... There was so many theories coming out of who are we going to see, what universe is they going to. Um, I was expecting a little bit more, mm-hmm. but I, I like what I, we got. I think what hurt it, along the lines of what you, you were just saying about expecting more, mm-hmm. I think what hurt it is it followed No Way Home. Yes. And with everything we got in No Way Home, no film that they put out was going to be able to follow that in terms of mm-hmm. surprises and build up and 
the the fan service right that no way home gave us with all three spider-men reuniting and and well not reuniting uniting mm-hmm. and all the all the older villains and the the death of aunt may yeah right like all the stuff that went on in that film nothing could have followed it up and and had that same impact had this come out first i think people would have yeah. thought about it the way they thought about no way home leaving the theater yeah mm. but i loved it so good yeah. i just it i think the problem. highlight for me honestly was obviously john krasinski but uh-huh. uh more importantly and mount i mean with with us having to sit there and watch the inhumans and <sighs> he was one of the best characters on that show and yeah. i felt like he never got his justice and we we did in this show i mean this movie and i was like that i was really excited i was not expecting that whatsoever and we got it so i know they've indicated before that in each universe the person won't necessarily look like Mm -hmm. the other universe we saw that in this with the the different captain marvels um but i really hope they bring him back because we know we're going to get some Inhumans, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a good chance, I think, to maybe have Anson Mount and Chloe Bennett oh, come I back. Want, I want Chloe and, Bennett more than anything. Well, the you know, the Powerpuff Girls fell through. So yeah, maybe. so maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. And what's great about Marvel is we, just like with the Charlize Theron appearance as Clea, that was on nobody's radar. No, none. Nobody was talking about that. And boom, there she was. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just so we could get something in Miss Marvel, right? We we could get something in She Hulk. Uh, you know, we've been talking about what if Jessica Jones helps out She Hulk? Mm-hmm. What if Chloe Bennett helps out She Hulk? Right. Well, she's in New York for some reason, and is, I just yeah, I, Chloe Bennett really needs to be. It was so underutilized. And on, not really on the show, but in, in the ECU as a, as a whole, she needs to be utilized more. And with them using Ansem Mount, yeah. I'm like, I, I could see them having something in the works. I really can. So I, I think what was disappointing about it was um, with, with the Chloe Bennett situation is when we got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they said, we're going to utilize this to sort of bridge the gap between the movies and mm-hmm. everything's going to be connected. And that lasted two seasons yep. or so. Age of Ultron. And then it that just kind of, yeah, it just kind of went by the wayside. They would occasionally connect it when it was convenient. Right. Um, by the way, along with that, I saw something where Adrian Pilecki is ready to return as Mockingbird. Mm. I don't know if that's a hint. <laughs> God, I, I want that too. Well. Well, you never know. I mean, if anything, she should have appeared in Hawkeye. But yeah, yeah, that would have been a pretty big drop. Nobody would have known. So, all right. Well, movie review for next week. We're gonna review the Hustle, or just Hustle, mm-hmm. from Netflix, uh, new Adam Sandler movie. So let's get to the movie news, because hey, for once in like two months, we have a lot to get to in gaming. <laughs> that's hurtful <laughs> that's true <laughs> it's true right <laughs> it's been like two months before yeah. we've had 
substantial gaming. And it's not over yet. I mean, next week we'll still have more to talk about. So, Right. <laughs> so first up in news from IGN's Matt Kim, Joker 2 officially confirmed. Are you and excited title... about this? Does this do anything for you? You watched the I... first Joker, right? Did we yeah. No, we okay. didn't. Um, we probably should at yeah. some point. When Joker 2 is um, ghost coming out. No, I mean, for me, I don't take issue with it. I'm going to watch it, obviously, but the Joker's a character that has no real backstory. Mm-hmm. So I liked, that's what I liked about the first one. It's like, okay, here's another theory on how this guy mm-hmm. potentially could have. I don't know. I'm with you. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind something along the lines of another origin story. I, th- I think they could make an entire franchise off that. Just right. different origin stories for this different character. Different takes and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Joker sequel is officially in the works, and director Todd Phillips has revealed the title for the sequel will be Joker Foil Adieu. I don't know what that means. If I just... If I, it's a disorder. If, if, if I just said something dirty, I apologize. <laughs> Phillips, who directed and co-wrote the first Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix, is teaming up again with co-writer Scott Silver on the sequel. Phillips shared the red script cover on his Instagram page. A picture of Phoenix reading the script was also included. While plot details are, sca- are scarce, foil adieu is defined as a psychological disorder where the same or similar mental disorder affects two or more people given that the joker is known for having psychologically dependent relationships with characters like batman and harley quinn the title seems fitting um yeah i think so, we'll get harley quinn in that movie in some capacity yeah it, it would it would make sense to to have harley quinn pop up you wonder if they'll recast the part right or if they'll have margot robbie god so there's no t- it's it's DC. We have no idea what they're doing over there. Yeah, they'll <laughs> they'll probably recast it and pick someone completely out of left field. <laughs> okay, from comicbook.com and Jenna Anderson, she's the one that actually wrote this for them. Marvel's Thunderbolts movie adds Jake Schreier as director. The Marvel Cinematic Universe's long-gestating Thunderbolts project is finally on its way to becoming a reality. On Thursday, reports indicated Jake Schreier has been tapped to direct an upcoming Thunderbolts movie with Black Widow's Eric Pearson set to write the script and Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige set to produce. Reports are indicating that the film could begin production next summer and that Marvel Studios has been in touch with certain individuals who are already a part of the franchise to make sure their schedules are clear for the shoot. Next summer. Um, that's, uh... that's a little soon for them yeah. to be notifying people because they've probably already got projects lined mm-hmm. up. Um, for, Kevin will find a way. He'll be like, mm, let's talk about this. Here's <laughs> He'll write a check to the other production to let him off for a week or two to come right. film his stuff. Like, how, many, how much crew do I need to pay for for a week? <laughs> So it does note in the article, the first comic incarnation of the team was led by Baron Zemo, mm-hmm. um, who we've met. 
uh, with other members including Songbird, Moonstone, Taskmaster, yep. U.S. Agent, Matt. Crossbones, Dead. Abomination, Matt. Ghost, Alive. and and more. The team gets its namesake from General Thunderbolt Ross, William Hurt, but following his passing earlier this year, it's anyone's guess as to how that aspect of the storyline could be handled. That's... Mm. So. They could have a... Did he have a daughter? I could see that. I'm not sure that would make sense or how I think they could do it. I mean, is they could be like, I know he had, go ahead. I know he has a daughter, but I was trying to think if we met her in the, in the MCU. I don't, I don't think so. Unless it was in Hulk, the incredible Hulk, but I could see them doing with uh, Madame Hydra, which we still, it's just theorizing to that is they could see, you know, they could say, you know, Thunderbolt Ross had an idea for a team to help stop the Avengers. It, with him passing or something, he'll, he'll die somehow in the MCU. And they'll say, in honor of him, we're going to name this team the Thunderbolts. And that's how they started off somehow. I could see that. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. I could I could see it being um, Fontaine's doing that he's dead. Mm-hmm. Somehow manipulating the team. Mm-hmm. God, it's going to be so good. Yeah, because one member of the team is probably going to be um, – I'm drawing a blank. My <laughs> mind is, is going, I'm telling you, old age. Um, it's probably going to be uh, Yelena. Mm-hmm. So – and we figure she's going to flip to the right side of things. Yeah, she'll be the point. one that does it somehow. All right, next up from Holly, The Hollywood Reporter by Boris Kitt. Duke Nukem movie in the works from Cobra Kai creators Legendary. Legendary exclusive. Mm-hmm. Hollywood has flirted with adapting the 90s video game for years. Um, it helped popularize the first-person shooter genre, and it's finally getting its feature film treatment. Legendary Entertainment, the company behind Dune and the Godzilla monster movie series, has picked up the movie rights from Gearbox with Cobra Kai creators Josh Hild, John Hurwitz, and Hayden Schlossberg on board to produce. Legendary will also produce, as will Jean-Julien Baronet, Assassin's Creed. The movie. Everyone knows about the hit movie. Of Marla Studios. Which specializes on video game adaptations. I, I mean, would you say specialize? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a stretch. <laughs> um, that's kind of cool. Mm. I, I remember this from from when I was a wee lad. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exciting, exciting. Good, uh, good creators, too. So, yeah. They know what they're doing. In our final bit of news... Spider-Man No Way Home, the more fun stuff version, swings into movie theaters on September the 2nd. Which I'm confused about this one, because from my understanding, it's all the extended scenes and everything that we already mm-hmm. have with the... Uh, Blu-ray. Ex- yeah, the Blu-ray. So I'm like, maybe do I want to go see it? I might. It There's depends. a part of me that feels like they're trolling Morbius. Mm-hmm. Like... Here's how you re-release a right. movie. This is how you make um, a couple more million dollars. <laughs> yeah. What they make like 
It's horrible. That's so bad. <laughs> it's oh god. I, you wonder if Jared Leto's done with superhero movies. You could you could only hope. <laughs> He's been good in other stuff. Yeah. Just uh just... You, you you sign on to the wrong projects, buddy. Just wrong projects. Yeah. Uh big releases this week in cinemas on June the seventeenth. Lightyear. Voiced by Chris Evans. Good old Captain who, America. Who does a great job, really does sound a lot like Tim Allen. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how he does it, but he does. So Chris Evans. Right. Chris, with video games, before we get into all of these announcements, have you been playing anything fun this week? Uh, no, I've been doing my usual. Uh, but like I said, I kind of, I've gone down a rabbit hole with... Uh, with vth gaming mm-hmm. and watching him play stuff so i can't um, wait i'm really excited about that that's gonna be a tomorrow thing um i played my usual i played destiny a little bit and that's about it i haven't even really played a whole lot of it but ooh, excuse me our first one our first little conference we had was summer game fest i'm going to polygon.com for all the announcements for this one and it says by uh the polygon staff because i'm sure there was a bunch of them that did on this one I'm just going to run through it. Um, stop me if anything's interesting to you, Chris, and I'll do the same. Uh, everything shown. Let's see. Where? Whoa, 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 whoa. This so is... So far, nothing interests me. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, this is... Uh... There we go. I was about to say, what? Um... What kind of language do they speak on what? Well, they, they did it different... They did it very weird. Um, all right. Super cute management Some people sim. like it done weird. Yeah, it was. I don't know why they did it this way. Super cute management sim Baron Breakfast is launching in July. Terrifying spider train horror game Choo Choo Charles is coming to consoles as well. In time flies. You got limited time to experience the world. Fly or die trying. Uh, this is in no way to order. The last, it ended with the last of us news, which got leaked earlier that morning by none other than PlayStation. So, had their timing off and not okay. Oops. The Last of Us Part 2 multiplayer is launching as a standalone game. All we saw was a concept art. This should be farther along than what it is. New Nightingale trailer shows card systems and survival fantasy. Saints Row's full character creator released free on all platforms. Honkai Star Rail teases palatial spaceships a new trailer. Bluebird Team reveals Layers of Fear, a psychedelic horror game coming in 2023. A lot of these from Summer Games Fest were space horrors and can't stand it. Um, Zenless Zone Zero is a wild urban action game from developers of Genshin Impact. TMNT Shredder's Revenge as Casey Jones to the roster also gets a release date yep. of next week. Uh, did you ever remember playing this like an arcade cabinet back in the day? Like at Pizza Hut's or arcades? Are you calling me old? No, because where? I I remember these, and because it was I remember it one big screen, and you had all, you had all the turtles, and they had their own little. Like I remember particularly that Chuck E. Cheese, like I would always mm-hmm. do Donatello. I mean, you put your quarter in, and you just play with just as Donatello. And I am so excited about this. Yeah, I mean, if if I really want to feel old, I'll tell you I remember playing quite a bit the original Turtles arcade. Mm. God, what a I'm t- I'm so excited about this and the fact it's coming out with Game Pass, Chris. So I get it for free. Don't even have to buy it. 
Perfect. Best deal in gaming. Uh, One Piece Odyssey gets a new gameplay reveal. Cuphead's The Delicious Last Course DLC arrives June 30th. Sci-fi horror game Routine gets a new trailer uh, nearly a decade after it was announced. Something's Wrong on Mars is a new thriller game called Fort Solace. Marvel's Midnight Suns introduces Spider-Man and Venom to its hero lineup. It's I'm not interested in this game because it's like a XCOM tactical shooter. Not really, not tactical, tactical strategy game. I'm just I don't really vibe with those, which is fine. Um, Flashback Two finally has a release window of Winter 2022. X Starcraft Two develop uh, devs reveal their new RTS Stormgate. Uh, survive a climate apocalypse in a survival game high water. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 shoves off a boat level at Sumner Game Fest. Awesome. It was very well done. Aliens mm-hmm. Dark Descent is an action game absolutely crawling with xenomorphs. Again, pass. Space is moist in the latest gameplay trailer for the Callisto Protocol from the creators of the original Dead Space. Again, pass. And the new Street Fighter 6 trailer shows off Guile in action. Everyone, uh, as a collective rated this as a D on the ABCDF scale. Yeah. Not good. I mean, they didn't really... It was weirdly paced and did not show, like, anything crazy that everyone wanted, which we're in 2022, and everything's been punted to 23, so... Yeah, I mean, the the TMT... TMNT game... Was my favorite of the whole show. Now... (laughs) That says a lot. I was more curious about the alien game than you. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw them early on showing, because I think it kicked off the show, right? Street Fighter. Street Fighter did. Um, it immediately made me think. I wonder when the next Mortal Kombat movie is coming. <laughs> so they're filming it right pro- now. Probably not the best thing to have someone think when you when you put your game out and it's not Mortal Kombat. Right. I thought we were going to today at Xbox Bethesda, I thought we were getting another Realm game announcement, but we never did. Um, so the next one we're going to do is Xbox and Bethesda Showcase. And they announced towards the beginning of the show that they were only focusing on the games coming out within the next 12 months from today. And which a lot of people are like, eh, okay. But I was, I gave this show a B on everyone else's scale. Just primarily because I was wanting something a little bit more sooner than what we mm-hmm. got. Uh, I right. was even hoping for like a day and date shadow drop today, and we didn't get anything of the like. But we did get a lot of bangers and classic mm-hmm. Xbox and Bethesda showcase form. So we're going to escapismagazine.com by John Freesia for this one. Then we're going straight through all of them. Um, and they had over 30 different games, which was a lot of fun. Open world co-op FPS Redfall received a pre-beta gameplay trailer from Arcane Austin, introducing playable characters and explanations. We had a lot of gameplay. Like uh, the Summer Games Fest was more focused on concept uh, art mm-hmm. and CGI trailers. We had a lot of gameplay in this one, which I was so excited for because I'm so tired of seeing CGI. Uh, Hollow Knight Silk Song is coming to Xbox and Xbox Game Pass. Still no release date. I think Nintendo is waiting to release that date, but it's within the next 12 months. It has been confirmed. So I imagine yeah. it'll be a 2023 game, in case you know. That's how they do. High on Life is a cartoony first-person shooter from the creators Rick and Morty and Solar Opposites coming to Game Pass on day one. Extremely excited about that one. Your gum, your guns talk and have own personalities and everything. It's hilarious, and I can't wait for it. 
it it's one of those games that kind of made me I, I mean it's not exactly like it but it made me flash back to uh destroy all humans yes yeah just just being running that kind around of humor it's, and yeah. yeah i get that the exact same thing it has a knife that talks to you and mm-hmm. so funny i can't wait for that game um all this was a huge one that had a big pop in the pc community all champions agents and foundations are unlocked for league of legends league of legends wild rift legends of runeterra teamfight tactics and valorant on xbox game pass pc this winter um, we had a lot, which I was not expecting during the showcase. We had a lot from Blizzard and Activision, and the deal doesn't go through until next June. So to get all of this, this is huge. Like, I mean, Valorant to get all the agents and everything, it's almost a hundred dollars. So like, this is this is huge, and it includes everything. So it's uh, smart though to do something like that for the community. Yeah. Especially on PC Game Pass, you need to bring that, mm-hmm. uh, bring those in. Um, a Plague Tale Requiem received another trailer, looks phenomenal. Uh, Forza Motorsport is coming spring 2023 to Xbox Series with real-time ray tracing on the track. That g- game looked phenomenal. I'm not a big track racer, but dear God, do they push the boundaries of our technology? It looks so good. Um, another game that looked really good, Microsoft Flight Simulator 40th Anniversary is an expanded edition that arrives in November with a free Halo Infinite add-on today, which was our only day and date we got. Overwatch 2 is free to play and launches on October 4th, 2022. Aura History Untold was announced for Xbox and Xbox Game Pass as an evolution and turn-based historical grain strategy. The Elder Scrolls Online High Isle launches June 21st. Fallout 76 The Pit arrives in September. Forza Horizon 5 Hot Wheels is arriving on July 19th, and I cannot be any more excited about that. It's even made me want to pick up Forza Horizon again because that looks right. fun. And oh, that's going to be a lot of fun to play. Um, Arc 2 lands in 2023 at Xbox and Game Pass. Scorn launches on October 21st. Not, not for me. Uh, Flintlock The Siege of Dawn received the first gameplay trailer and arrives early 2023. I'm excited about that one. Minecraft Legends has been announced for Xbox, PC, and Game Pass. I was, I'm interested. My, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm perturbed. I'm excited to see what that one's going to be about. Lightyear Frontier launches in spring 2023. Gunfire Reborn comes Xbox and Game Pass in October. The last case of Benedict Fox has been announced for Xbox Series, PC, and Game Pass for spring 2023. It is a cinematic Metroidvania pass for me. As Dusk Falls launches July 19th as an emotional psychological drama. Again, pass. Uh, this one uh, put my interest up. Naraka Blade Point. I know it's out on other consoles, uh, but it launches June 23rd, which is that's next week, right? Two weeks? Mm-hmm. That's next Two. week. Next Thursday. Next uh, week, yeah, already. Oh man! So that was the only one I got really excited about because I was just coming soon-ish. Pentiment, a narrative journey from Obsidian set in 16th century Bavaria, arrives in November 2022. Uh, Grounded launches its full game in 2022. Stealth game Arabin Shadow Legacy arrives in 2023. Diablo 4, which was again not expecting to see this here, uh, received a new trailer revealing a 2023 release date in the fifth and final class, the Necromancers, which is what I would be playing as. Developers also talked about the myriad dungeons and strongholds in store. Quote, the last story mission is really the beginning, end quote, of a whole different part of the journey, the end game. Uh, sea of Thieves received Season 7 on July 21st. Ravenlock is an action-adventure fairy tale in 2023. Cocoon launches in 2023 from the creator of Limbo and Inside. 
This next one I'm really excited about because I love Koei Tecmo and uh, Team Ninja. It's Wolong Fallen Destiny. comes to Xbox, PC, and Game Pass. And then the next three things are probably the biggest from the show other than that uh, Riot Games announcement. Hideo Kojima is making something for Xbox believed, uh, but not confirmed to be Overdose, which is a, a game that's been rumored recently that kind of got leaked. I think it was last week. Uh, but seeing that he's making something for Xbox is truly a big thing because that's uh, huge. He's mm-hmm. not done that before. And then this one, which was a huge, no one saw this coming because this is uh, a Sony and PlayStation game, all series. Persona 3 Portable, Persona 4 Golden, and Persona 5 Royal are coming to Xbox One, Xbox Series, Game Pass, and PC with Persona 5 Royal launching in October October 1st. I lost it when this popped up on screen. Um, I've played Golden. I'm actually almost done with Persona 5 Royal now. Um, it's just a very, very long, I think I got 80 hours into it and I'm still not done with it yet. So it's just, it takes some time, but it, it's, everyone was like, this was never, this will never happen. And mm-hmm. here we are and it's coming to game pass. So, and then the long awaited, uh, gameplay reveal of Starfield, which I knew was, was going to be the end of it. Cause it had to be. Um, it did not disappoint, showing off everything from gorgeous worlds to spaceship combat and even spaceship uh, customization. Now, something they revealed about this, there is, mul- you know, multiple galaxies, but there's over a thousand planets to discover, and you can discover every inch of it. And I'm like, Skyrim's a long game. I still haven't touched everything in it. <laughs> We're going to play this game, and it's it looks good. It looks like a Bethesda game. I'm still not... Nothing really jumped out and yelled at me and bit me that I'm like, I have to play this game, which I'm sure I, I will get bit by because all their games... Um, I mean, it's like a, a space Fallout game is what it looked like more so to me. So it's, nothing really touched me, though. Uh, but I think once we get more and more into it, well, something will eventually. So this is telling me this is going to be like a spring game. And listen, 2023 is going to be bonkers. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to be the biggest year in video games. And there's no one can tell me differently. I mean, look at all of these that are all coming out in 2023 that are huge, 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 huge titles. And yeah. and now you're adding on all of this for early. This is all before the summer of 2023. This does not count your Sony stuff, your Nintendo things. I mean, it, it's going to be nuts. And be I'm glad great. all this is coming on Game Pass because I would be even more broke because a lot of this I, I do want to play. So right, that was the big conference, which I liked a lot more than Summer Game Fest. Speaking of, because this is E3 season, this is what E3 normally would be, ESA states that E3 will return in 2023. I'm going to WashingtonPost.com oh. uh, by Nathan Grayson. You don't, you don't think it's going to happen? No. I think they'll try. Yeah, I think they will try, and it won't. I mean, because Jeff Keighley did this year with Summer Game Fest. They did the showcase, and then they had this weekend, they had booths and everything where you could play their games for the press, which is what E3 is. And I I don't think that these developers are going to want to pay money to be a part of the ESA and do all this stuff. So, I'm going to the Washington Post by Nathan Grayson. 
It's June, which in nearly any pre-2020 year would mean a cavalcade of new video game announcements with a loud red and yellow E3 logo slapped on them. But in 2022, for the second time in three years, E3 has been called off entirely with Summer Game Fest by former E3 host Jeff Keighley and a smattering of publisher-specific digital events taking its place. Despite a dire stretch, the organizing body behind E3, the Entertainment Software Association, says it hasn't thrown in the towel just yet. Quote, we're excited about coming back in 2023 with both a digital and an in-person event, ESA President and CEO Stan Pure Louise told the Washington Post in the interview. As much as we love these digital events, as much as they reach people and we want that global reach, we also know that there's a really strong desire for people to convene, to be able to connect in person and see each other and talk about what makes games great. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I'm very skeptical. I think one thing that's going to hurt them is... A lot of these developers are, like like you said, it was weird not to have any more day-and-date announcements mm-hmm. than, than they had. A lot of them are going to that. So it's like, hey, we're showing you this game, now go play it. Right. And you're sitting at home watching. All you have to do is hit download, yep. and you've got the game. Why would, you game travel? Just download your phone. Why would you travel all the way to the other, for some people, the other side of the country? Right just to play the game you can play sitting in your living room i think i think next year is going to be the year we get day and date a lot of day and dates from these conferences because i mean look at everything's been pushed back i think i don't think any of these games will be pushed back anymore and it's Mm -mm. like i said earlier it's gonna be the best year of video games it's gonna be 2018 it's gonna be 2013 and (sighs) i think the the component that they're missing for the at, at esa you're not Comic-Con. No. Comic-Con is the experience of being around other people who like what you like. Mm-hmm. Cosplay, all that. And, and some of that goes on. But it's it's not the same thing. Well, this is the E3 it's, is mainly for your press. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. if, you th- if you think about it, E3 wasn't opened up to the public except for the past two years. So 2018 right. and 2019 was the only time it was opened up for the public. And that was very hard to get tickets anyways. So mm-hmm. it's mainly press. That's what uh, Jeff Keighley did this week, this weekend, because he knows what and why it is what it is. And apparently from everything I'm reading online, he did a real good job, and everyone want, is going to do it again next year. He said it's going to be bigger next year. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't see – I just don't see E3 coming back. I really don't. But, again, I'm just some guy – that loves video games, been following it for a little bit. I'm not actually in the industry and know the inner workings of it all. So, I think one thing that hurt them this year, um, we've had a lot of these deals get announced mm-hmm. with mergers and buyouts, and I think it's it kind of pro- it probably delayed some things. Right. Or they probably would have had even more day and date and things like that. It's just, it's just a guess, but yeah. I mean, I, that had to have some sort of impact. And it's still with COVID going around and messing things up. Because I mean, you just ought to have negative COVID tests and proof of immunity and or vaccinations and stuff to go to these things. So in-person mm-hmm. events, so, which is great. And speaking of great, though, our last bit of news for this extremely long episode. We haven't had an episode this long in a minute, and I'm all about it. But I'm really excited about this. Xbox is partnering up with Samsung to launch a TV app. I'm going to... Uh, news.xbox.com for this one directly and this one is by Ashley McKissick corporate vice uh, president of gaming experiences and platforms 
Our mission at Xbox is to bring the joy and community of gaming to everyone on the planet. We are committed to achieving this vision by delivering great games and services and enabling more people to play than ever before. That's why we created Xbox Game Pass and to continue expanding cloud gaming to new devices so that we can open up the ways people can play across devices they already own. PC, console, mobile, tablet, devices, and now smart TVs. Last June, we shared our vision for bringing Xbox to more gamers by working with global TV manufacturers to embed the Xbox experience into smart TVs. Today, the Xbox team provided an update on our approach and vision, which included how we're making last year's vision a reality by bringing the Xbox app to smart TVs, starting with our partner Samsung, the global leader in TVs. Together, Samsung and Xbox partnered uh, to bring Xbox Game Pass to the millions of Samsung Galaxy phones around the world, and now we're partnering again to bring our Xbox gaming experience to the 2022 smart TVs. I'm excited for you to experience cloud gaming on smart TVs on June 30th in 27 countries. Um, they go on to say, Xbox app now on smart TVs, playing Xbox games on 2022 Samsung smart TVs. That makes it sound like it's on the 2022 models. Hmm. And it's not just an app. That concerns me. Hmm. Uh, gives Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members easy and instant access to over 100 high-quality games, including Xbox Game Studios titles on work the same day they release. Um, and we recently announced you can also play Fortnite without a membership through cloud gaming. Let's see. The Xbox app on smart TVs presents new opportunities to play. If you are getting a new Samsung 2022 smart TV, you will now have more ways to play games in your house. Hmm. Um, if you're new to gaming, that's everything. We're bringing the Xbox app to the Samsung smart TVs first. And our intent is to explore other TV partnerships as well, as well the next evolution. That's weird. Why just in 2022? So you'd have to buy a whole new Samsung TV just right. to do this. That's smart. Yeah, well, never mind for me being excited about this then. Because <laughs> I've got, like, I think mine's a 2019. Uh, no, it's a 2020. That's time to upgrade. God, yeah, I wish. Because <laughs> the way we got this thing you mounted can... and everything, no, 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 no. Well, that's still you exciting, it... though. You could mount the one you have in your living room now in the Jeep. Yeah, <laughs> driving down the road, a big LED screen <laughs> going down the road. Uh, no new releases this week at all, so sorry, everybody. But, guys, yeah. thank you all so much for listening and watching. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the NerdWide Podcast. Don't forget to share on all your favorite social media platforms. Don't forget to rate and review this podcasting on your favorite podcasting app. Speaking of social media, you can follow NerdWide on, on Twitter at Nerd underscore Wide. You can follow me personally at Ty underscore Haynes. And you can follow Chris at MathTN7. If you're on Facebook, go search in the little search bar, nerdwide.com, and we'll be the first thing to pop up. That's how you get our so NerdWide on Twitter and Facebook. It's the first ways to get posted whenever new episodes go live. But, guys, this has been this week's episode of the NerdWide Podcast. Let us know what excites you from any of the conferences from Netflix Geek Week or Summer Game Fest or uh, Xbox Bethesda Showcase. Let us know what your favorite announcements were down in the comments down below. Uh, and until then, we'll see you next time and next week. Uh, everyone have a great Father's Day, and we'll see you next week. Later, guys.